please turn to 1 John chapter 2. I want to read uh, beginning with verse 18, 1 John chapter 2, and make some comments, and you all have to listen to me pretty, uh, uh, pretty fast today, I guess. But we'll look at 1 John chapter 2, and we'll look at uh, verses 15 through 18. 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children... It is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. One of the most terrifying verses, I believe, that you'll find in God's Word is found in the verses of 1 John two fifteen through 18. It's a startling statement that's made. It's a very troubling statement that's made. It's an attention-grabbing statement. It's an attention-grabbing verse. Only six words. Only six words in the statement. Six words that should cause every one of us as a believer to fall on our knees and ask God to forgive us as we fall on our knees to repent. Six words that should also cause the believer to shout, with triumph and victory and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us at Calvary. However, these six words should also remind every person that's lost, that's an unbeliever, that's never trusted Jesus Christ. These six words should remind every unbeliever that this world as they know it one day will come to an end. This world will cease to be. Verse 18 just simply says, little children, it is the last time. A better translation to that is, little children, I believe the New King James says, little children, this is the last hour. The last hour. So what do you mean by that, Brother Samuel? What do you mean this is the last hour? Now, first of all, if you would, look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, verse 17, passes away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uses that word, Oh, a world, word, world, over and over and over again. It says, verse 15, love not the world. You say, well, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. Well, when he uses the word world there, that means the inhabitants of the world, the people of the world, the populace of the world. He loved the people, the populace, the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But in John, in John 2, 15 and 17, he's speaking of, uses the word world, but it has a different meaning. Speaking of a world are the sinful elements of the world. 
those things that rival against God, those things that rival and exclude the love of God. And he says there in verse 17, And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that, that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The things that rival and exclude the love of God do not love the world, those things that rival against God. And he says, if you love the world, that may be a sign that you may have never experienced the love of God. Look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if you're all caught up in this world, that could be a very, very good sign that you are, have never experienced the love of God. If you love the world. Look at verse 16. He says, for all that's in the world. Now God created the world. He created the cosmos. And then he created man. But God didn't create the, the evil dispositions and the aims of man. That came from man's own sinful will. From the world that God created. So he said in verse 16, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. God didn't create all that. That came from man's own sinful desires and man's sinful will out of the world from which God created. But verse 17, the world passes away, the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, you need to get this verse. The world passes away. Did you get that? Believer, did you get that the world passes away? If you're not a Christian, did you get that? The world passes away. The point is that God has pronounced a sentence on the world. The world is sentenced to decay. The world is sentenced to die. The world as we know it today, one day will not exist as we know it. The point is to love the world is to lose everything. But to love God is to live eternally. The point is, there's a contrast, if you notice, between passing away the world and lasting forever, those that love God. Verse 18, he gives a warning. He says, little children, it is the last hour. It is the last time. Children, it's the last hour. The point is, you need to recognize the time in which we live. I'm sure it's dawned on you. We need to recognize the time in which we live. Some people say, Brother Sammy, I've heard this said, all times have been bad. Yes, but they've never been this bad. They've never been this bad. The point is, we, you, you and I, we all who are living in 2016 need to be reminded, children, this is the last hour. I really believe that. What does that mean, Brother Sammy? What does the last hour mean? It simply means it's the point of time just prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. This is the last hour. God spoke to me recently in regards to America, and he said, and, and this may not make any sense to you. If it, if it doesn't, that's all right. He spoke it to me. He said, you're, you're undoing your undoing 
America's undoing. Your undoing is out, is of your own doing. Your undoing, your unraveling, your coming apart is of your own doing. My goodness. You're coming apart, you're undoing, you're unraveling as a nation, you're unraveling as a superpower is of your own doing, it's of your own making, it's of your own action. We have no one to blame but ourselves, and and the church is not innocent in it either. It's not that we're trying to reach the world with the gospel. So God's blessed our nation in the past. And he's blessed our nation simply because of our forefathers fleeing this religious persecution coming to this country purposely formed our government with three major Judeo-Christian principles. The Holy Scripture, the God of the Bible, and prayer. Those three things. Found throughout all of our, all of our, uh, our founding documents. Those three things are found. Now we've outlawed the Bible, the Holy Scripture, we've outlawed prayer, and we've outlawed God in the halls of government, in our institutions of higher education, in our high schools, and our elementary schools. We've banned God from many of the town squares and cities and towns and communities. Even the celebration of the national holiday of Christmas where we celebrate the birth of God's Son. Children, this is the last hour. In his book, I Never Thought I'd See, David Jeremiah points out, and Brother Philip gave me a copy of this book, and I appreciate it. He said this, things that he thought that he would never see in his lifetime. I really believe that these are things that he could never imagine would happen. I never would have imagined, first of all, that Jesus today would be so profaned. These are chapter headings in his book. He never would have dreamed that marriage would be so obsolete. Now, we've had the cohabitation cohabitation issue going for years and years and years, but now we've redefined marriage laws altogether and say it's fine for men and men and men and men, a man and man to marry and a woman a woman and a woman to marry. Morality would be in free fall. It is. Could never imagine the Bible would be just marginalized, just another book written by someone else, I mean, just by men. The church would be so irrelevant. I mean, why go to church? We see that, obviously, today. Who needs to go to church? A Muslim state would intimidate the world? And then he said, America would turn her back on Israel? Children, this is the last hour. I noticed, secondly, what does that mean for the Christian? First of all, some of you are wasting time. That's what it means. You're wasting time. You can't serve God today because you're so wrapped up in the world that's passing away. My goodness. Someone, you know, the old country song, you work your fingers to the bone, what do you get? Bony fingers. 
That's what people are doing today. For the world passes away and the lust thereof. Yesterday's gone forever. And some person that you and I should have shared Jesus with may have died and they're in hell today because we get too wrapped up in the world. Avery Willis said this a long time ago. I jotted the quote down back in, I don't even remember what year. It says, time is an opportunity given to us by God to discover and to carry out his purpose. That's what time is for. Paul tells us basically the same thing. He says to redeem the time, snap it up, grab it, redeem it, because God's time is precious and it's priceless. Children, it's the last hour. What does it mean to the Christian? Well, we need to be on alert that every opportunity we have, we need to minister and we need to witness to someone. Well, what does it mean to the person without Christ? You know, this. hey, listen, if you're here and a non-believer, this is the last hour. Now, what does that mean to the unbeliever? What does that mean to the person that's totally separated from God that's living in a world that's passing away? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you'll turn over there, we'll look at that familiar passage, and I'll read through it. We're about finished. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For, you know, Jesus said he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Even when we die and go to heaven and he comes back to rapture the church, he's not going to leave us. He's going to bring us with him. He's not going to ever leave us. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise forth. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So what does it mean to the lost person that, children, this is the last hour? It means that Christ could come for his church at any moment. Any moment. Believers refer to this time as the rapture of the church. But please remember, they're, they're, now you need to remember this. We're not waiting on a bunch of prophecies to be fulfilled for the rapture of the church. Everything to be fulfilled before the rapture has been fulfilled. Everything. The point is Christ could come at any minute. The point is the rapture is a time when Christ appears and, and snatches up those who truly have trusted him as Lord and Savior, underlined truly. Because not everyone that says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. So what is the what of the rapture? The what is the church is going to be called up, called up. The when of the rapture is it could happen any moment. The who of the rapture are those who are dead in Christ, those who trusted Christ, my mom and 
my father and my relatives who put their faith and trust, and let's be honest with each other, my relatives that haven't put their faith and trust in Christ will not go to heaven. And that's sad. Children, this is the last hour. What does that mean to the lost? It means Christ could come any moment, and it means that today is the day of salvation. You better not wait till tomorrow. This may be the last hour, as it is. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. The Bible says, For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Children, this is the last hour. What does that mean? Christ could come any minute. What does that mean for the unbeliever? Today you need to get saved. It's the last hour. One of the saddest accounts of a, pers- of a person that we find in God's Word is a guy by the name of Felix. Felix was a governor, and people witnessed to Felix. Christians witnessed to Felix. Paul witnessed to Felix. And he said, almost, Paul, you speak as a crazy person, but almost you persuade me. You almost persuade me to become a Christian, to be a believer, to trust Christ. And we have no record where Felix ever trusted Christ. Almost persuaded, almost saved is not being saved. Listen, the devil's going to tell you to wait today, and God says, This is the last hour. The devil's going to say, you have another chance. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this is the judgment. You'll have another chance. God says this is the last hour. The devil says you'll have another chance after death. No, that's judgment. The devil says everyone's going to be saved. God says, no. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So children, this is the last hour. What does that mean for the believer? Don't waste time serving and witnessing. You need to be serving and witnessing. Don't waste your time. Don't have much time. What does it mean for the lost? Separated from God. Today's the day for you to be saved. Children, this is the last hour. That's our word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had just to, to focus upon your word today. Think about the days ahead. Think about the days of the past, our future as a country, the history of our country, and where we are today. We're in a mess. And, and we as your people carry a lot of blame for that and a lot of responsibility. You tell us in your word that if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face, turn from their wicked way, Lord, you'll hear from heaven. You'll forgive our sins. You'll heal our land. And Lord, we're going to have to do that if we're going to see a change in this country. 
And I hope it, pray that it begins here today. I pray for the believer that's here. Help us to understand, Lord, this is the last hour. You could come any moment. I mean, any moment. We need to spend our time wisely, Lord, as we serve you and as we share the gospel with people. For the lost person, this is the last hour. Today is the day of their salvation. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to their heart, that they may give their heart, their life to you. Lord, because time is fleeting, this is the last hour. And so help us, we pray today. Use this message today as it goes out on the radio, as it goes out on TV. Lord, that we can see a change in our country as we turn from our sin as a nation, individually, and as churches, and we turn back to you where you can bless us again. Speak to our hearts this morning as we make decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is going to...